outing at one point in the third quarter. Zach Wilson had four completions up to that point in the game when he threw his fourth interception. And Wilson was also sacked four times. We thought he might be under a lot of pressure. Um, beyond what the Patriots defense did to him, he quite simply looked pretty lost to me when I watched that game. And it could be tough sledding once again for the Jets this week with a tough matchup at Denver. But there could be a get-right spot just around the corner because weeks four through six, the Jets have the Titans and then the Falcons and then their bye week. So it might be getting worse before it gets better for the Jets, but it does look like it might be getting better at some point for them before too long. I think that about does it for some quick hitters on week two bets, and we can move on by looking at some teams that we have on the move, teams getting a big upgrade or a big downgrade in our eyes. And Chris, let's start with you. The top team you have moving up, the Raiders giving credit where credit's due. Well, in divisional previews, I mentioned uh... I, I didn't think the Raiders had any hope uh, in that division, and uh, I expected their offense to struggle more, and I expected their defense to struggle more, and it could get very ugly. And, and here we are, and they're 2-0 to start the year, and you have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, it's more than one lucky win. It's more than two lucky wins. They've, uh, they've come away with some uh, wins against quality teams. And that counts for a lot, and uh, that's contagious. That can be very contagious. So we'll see how uh, how centered they are when they play this week. Uh, and uh, they have Miami coming in, so we'll see how how, how focused they are this week because uh, that's uh, that has a lot of curiosity for me. Yeah, and Scott, you've got the Raiders on the move up in your book as well. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we were saying they, they added all these kind of veterans, if you will, to the defensive side, which needed a huge uh, improvement this year. They seem to be getting it right now. We're two weeks in, doesn't mean a lot, but they are playing um, where they are allowing about a 13% less success rate than what their opponents are actually averaging on offense. So it does put them well above average right now. And it's two games, doesn't mean a lot. But as Chris said, uh, it's two quality opponents. So um, you at least, you know, give a little stock in that. And defense seems to be doing pretty well. Offense seems to be doing well. I was reading an article yesterday where they were saying John Gruden, he's trying to follow the Andy Reid uh, recipe on offense. He's got the tight end. Quarterback's playing well. He's got a receiver, Henry Ruggs, who's not as good as Tyreek Hill, but he's got speed. And it's just kind of interesting to see all that kind of come together. And, uh, yeah, so they're up in my book a little bit based on what they've done the first two weeks. Yeah, and I'm going to make it unanimous here because I, I was just really surprised seeing no signs of a letdown from the Raiders coming off of that Monday night thriller. And I think Robert Mays with the Athletics Football Podcast did a really good job talking about how creative John Gruden's been getting to maximize his personnel on offense. So the Raiders, again, Chris, your point, not just a couple of fluky wins. They were legitimately impressive once again on Sunday. And coming up in week three, they've got the Dolphins. Obviously, Tua, a big question mark there. But what we saw from Miami, I think, circles back to a point brought up on our Friday preview for week two, regression being a key factor from the Dolphins. And it really hit them like a brick wall against Buffalo. In the first half, three turnovers going 0 for 2 on fourth down. Then looking at full game numbers, the Dolphins 0 for 3 in the red zone, whereas the Bills went 4 for 4. So tying this into week three and the Dolphins being the Raiders' opponent here, it's not always going to be that bad for Miami like we saw this past Sunday. But it's also not going to be as good as it was for them throughout pretty much all of 2020 and week one this season. So the Raiders in a good spot to potentially get up to 3-0 and pretty soon here. Well, Miami was playing, you know, Tua was out early and uh, Fuller didn't play. And there were a couple of other issues with Miami. Uh, 
so it's just disappointing. You know, they didn't do, they didn't play a horrible game. The score was not indicative of how, you know, they did some things very well, even without those players. They're going to have Fuller back uh, this week, and I think Tua's on uh, pace to play. So uh, we'll just have to see. I, I, I haven't given up on Miami. Yeah, yeah, certainly didn't mean it's time to give up on them by any stretch. But with the way that Sunday broke, I would say the Raiders are in a better spot this week than we would have guessed uh, just about 72 hours ago. Uh, yeah. But to your point, crazier things have happened. Just tune into just about any primetime game so far this season for an example of that. So uh, we all three do have the Raiders moving up in our book. And Chris, you have another AFC West team also on the move up. Well, this was a team that I mentioned that I a lot of people were down on. Uh, and I think they've proven, hey, they've been on the road to start their season, and they came, came away with two Ws. I mean, that's huge, starting off 2-0 on the road. So they have all their home games left, and they didn't have the most difficult schedule in the league uh, to start with. So uh, they come ho- Denver comes home to play the Jets. They should start off 3-0. and And they've got a handful of tough games there, but they've got a lot of home cooking and they're doing things right. And it's obvious uh, Teddy uh, Bridgewater was uh, uh, the right choice to just be, you know, not make mistakes and, and just just uh, lead them, you know, down the field and, and, and just not put any pressure on the defense. And he's doing a great job of doing that. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot to like out of Denver these first couple of weeks to start this season. And on the flip side, we will have an AFC West team uh, that I have moving down in my book. But before we get to them, let's circle back on the Raiders opponent from week two and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chris, uh, aside from just the scoreboard, you were really not impressed with what you saw in Pittsburgh from the Steelers this past Sunday. No, they were a big disappointment. And, uh, you know, the the wheels are coming off the bus there a little bit, uh, uh, much sooner than we would have anticipated. Uh, uh, Ben did not look good at all. He was complaining about the offensive coordinator's uh, schemes or teams, and uh, that's a problem. And they didn't run the ball again, and they weren't that close in that game. Uh, You know, they didn't score a lot of points against what's supposed to be a crappy defense. It's pretty much an embarrassment. And I know they lost a lot of players, and T.J. Watt was out, but they, they they weren't doing well from the beginning. From the go, they were they were doing poorly. So it's a big concern. It's a big concern. You have to downgrade them. Yeah, and certainly some groin pains, as I'd put it, for that Steelers defense. T.J. Watt during the game, and also Friday during practice, Devin Bush and Joe Hayden. So uh, down three players, three key contributors at each level of the defense certainly didn't help. And if those guys can't get healthy fast, and now with Ben dealing with an injury... Uh, Yeah, it could be a rough go of it moving forward for the Steelers. We'll have to wait and see there. And I will use that to transition into another team that had a rougher go of it than a lot of people thought on Sunday. And that could continue moving forward, um, if I'm not wrong, on some of the red flags that I've seen here. And that would be the Chargers, the third AFC West team we're going to put in this segment today. I I just watched that game against the Cowboys and wasn't so sure that Anthony Lynn was gone from the Chargers because it seemed like his fingerprints were all over that loss. I think we've got... A big red flag with their offense. I mean, how do you not punt and only score 17 points? I feel like that's got to be some sort of record. In fact, the Chargers have put up more than 400 yards in offense each of the first two weeks, yet they still haven't scored more than 20 points. 
And week one, they went up against a Washington defense that, Chris, you were ahead of the curve. They're not as good as we expected. Week two, the Cowboys defense was shorthanded, and it's not a good unit to begin with. And the Chargers' refusal to adjust in-game and help a backup offensive lineman blocking Micah Parsons certainly didn't help their cause. Typically, when I see a team put up this much yardage and scoring this few points, I would expect some positive regression on the scoreboard. But inefficiency on early downs has been an alarming pattern for them. And early down success rate is an advanced metric that can be pretty predictive for teams moving forward. So uh, I got to say, I, I don't want to feel down on the Chargers as a fan. Maybe it's the Davidas Charger fan in me, but I've got them on the move down, not just because of those offensive factors, but also looking at their defense this past Sunday. I mean, it's one thing to want your opponent to run the ball, but it's another thing not being able to stop it. So on both sides of the ball, some concerns for me about the Chargers. But Chris, you've got a reason why things might not be looking so bad for them if we see a change from one factor this past Sunday. Well, it's the second week in a row where you've, you have highly questionable referee calls that are just going against them. You know, two weeks in a row, absurd calls. Just absolutely absurd calls. You know, there was a uh, in-the-grasp call that was just ridiculous. There were two touchdowns taken away from them. Uh, they, like you said, they've only punted twice the entire season. So it, it, they're doing a lot of things right. They're getting a little unlucky with the refs. And they played well enough to win that game uh, against Dallas. But they should have played better. They really should have played better, to your point. Uh, there's plenty of room for improvement. And I don't think... Uh, the, the comment was made, you can take uh, the Anthony Lynn out of the Chargers, but you can't take the Chargers out of the Chargers. I, I still think that they're, they're going to be better uh, going forward. I think they'll recover from it, and I don't think it's a loser's mentality sinking in or anything like that. Yeah, I do feel good about the long-term horizon with their personnel, but I, I would say that on early downs, they, they've got to clean it up and not just always be putting Justin Herbert in a bind on third and long and just pray for him to bail them out as good as he is. Yeah, I'll just add, I mean, they had a couple injuries, too. Chris Harris, pretty viable uh, player in the secondary, was out. And they believe, uh, I think it was Justin Jones, maybe on, on the defensive line, uh, hurt them a little bit as well. But, you know, I look at six, and Chris is right. I mean, they, they got a raw deal, uh, you know, from uh, from the refs. But they also lost a success rate battle, 66% to 53%, which tells me, you know, on the line of scrimmage, they, they were getting beat by Dallas. And, you know, that was two teams that typically find ways to lose games, and, you know, one team had a win, uh, obviously, when, when two of them play like that. And, you know, Dallas came out. I will give Dallas some credit. I got on Dallas Sunday morning, you know, by moving Micah Parsons to the defensive end. And obviously, he was going up against Balaga's replacement. So it's a great move. He did have some pass resting experience in his in his past history. And they are fairly deep at the linebacker spot. It was actually a nice move for the Cowboys for once to see him do something that really, um, you know, kind of really helped their team to overcome some of those injuries. And, and obviously it made a little bit of a difference in the game. Yeah, yeah, the Cowboys uh, certainly made a good move there and it seemed to catch the Chargers off guard. So moving forward, again, the Chargers, Chris, to your point, not necessarily a loser's mentality, but some pretty discouraging results coming out of this past Sunday's game. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that moving forward. And one more team uh, moving down as we can pull that graphic up one more time. Chris, the New Orleans Saints falling uh, maybe back to reality after a great showing in week one. Yeah, obviously they're my team, but you you have and they missed a lot of players, and uh, unfortunately none of the players we wanted them to, to be able to field were able to play. So uh, regardless, the the lack of effort uh, uh, 
and just the way that they lost was just not good. And they're in the middle of this long road trip. They, they've got to go and, and fire it up again for New England next week. So that's going to be interesting to see how they come to play there. Uh, Jameis Winston still doesn't even have 300 yards combined between the two, two games. So he looked like the old Jameis Winston uh, last game, which was a disappointment uh, for my MVP ticket. Uh, I can rip that up. But, uh, yeah, I have to downgrade them just a tad. Uh, they are not as – they're obviously not as deep as they need to be, as I mentioned. And uh, if they don't – if they lose anybody, they're going to look pretty average. Yeah. Scott, what did you make out of the Saints week two showing? Well, I, I give them a little bit of a pass. Just, I mean, look, they've been on the road for a month. Eight coaches, whatever, were gone. Uh, all these players injured. Um I do think as I was watching the game and knowing what Winston did in week one, if this was Drew Brees, we'd all be saying Drew Brees is washed up old over the hill. And lo and behold, it's Jameis Winston, who's, I don't know how old he is, 29, 30 years old. He's fairly young, um, but he's, you know, producing the same results that we kind of uh, complain about with Brees last, last year. So, uh, you know, and they got no receivers. Um, the downgrade's probably not wrong because, you know, injuries and lack of receivers and whatnot, it just all came to fruition against a team that in-division opponent that knows them, that appears to be playing a little bit better defensively. Packers weren't really equipped to maybe take advantage of that week one, but um, it bears watching going forward to see uh, what happens to this team. It was a big disappointment. Yeah, and I've been on the fence when it comes to viewing this as a reality check for the Saints. Like Chris mentioned, or Scott, you indicated some reasons why they might deserve a free pass. I mean, when I looked at first downs and saw Carolina 28, New Orleans 6, my eyes just about bulged out of my head. I, I don't remember seeing anything that lopsided, especially from a team like the Saints that was pretty clearly favored to win that game. And the Saints offense, just 128 yards, a paltry three yards per play. You barely ever see that in the NFL. On the other side of the ball, I mean, the offense didn't get the job done, so the defense was on the field for about 39 minutes, more than 70 snaps. So certainly, um, you know, some reality behind those numbers. And at the same time, yeah, with that coaching staff in shambles with the COVID outbreak last week, um, they have one more week kind of as nomads with the displacement from Hurricane Ida. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence there. And I'll be keeping this forward looking. I'll be looking at the next two weeks pretty closely with the Saints to see whether this was indeed maybe that free pass kind of game or if depth and other issues could be a season-long factor in New Orleans. You know, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just throw one other thing out there, Matt. We kind of talked about it on the Friday show. Uh, the Saints fit into a little bit of a regression mode. And I don't have it in front of me, but it was a team that wins fairly significantly in week one and then goes on the road in week two. It's always hard to predict. And again, we just talked about all these other reasons that could have created this disaster for them. But did they get a little confident beating a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year in Green Bay and think they could waltz in there? That could be part of it, too, that whole regression thing after week one. There's a lot of things here that could have came into play, and we'll just need to see more games to really get a better idea of what it all really means. Yeah, well, and speaking of more games right around the corner, we can use that as a bridge to start thinking about some week three lines. And, Chris, I know the mantra is holding strong when it comes to staying in hurry-up-and-wait mode. Yeah, I am in no hurry to take any positions this week. Uh, I just want to absorb what's going on after last week. And quite frankly, I, I've heard a lot of other people say that too, that the uh, the action on the board hasn't been all that uh, active. It's been the least active uh, of the year so far. So I, I, I'm just trying to keep my eyes open. 
It's funny, though. I've had some debates with people about Buffalo. Uh, that seems to be an interesting game. Uh, you know, some people have them rated near the top. Some people have them rated uh, near the bottom of the, t the top 10. And I kind of put them in the middle. Uh, that 35 to nothing win was kind of deceptive. It, it wasn't that easy. And the one thing to note is Allen didn't even complete 50% of his passes, which is unheard of in the NFL nowadays. Uh, you've got uh, uh, um, um, Jones. Isn't he completing 75% of his passes? He's a rookie. Uh, I may be wrong on that, but uh, there are people at over 70%. So uh, he's back below his college numbers at, at Wyoming again, as I mentioned in, in divisional previews. Is he going to be the 69% guy or is he going to be the 55% guy? So uh, he only three. He didn't hit 200 yards passing, uh, and one of the touchdown passes he threw apparently he probably shouldn't have thrown and got lucky and got away with it. Uh, I didn't see it, but uh, that's you know what I've been told. So I, I think Buffalo is kind of in the middle, but some people are really buying into Buffalo uh, after beating Miami. So something to monitor. Yeah, and right now BetUS has the Bills laying double digits, minus 10 at plus 110. So a bit of a soft end there, but still double digits uh, does stand out when we look at the week three board. And Chris, I had Allen down as going 17 for 33. So maybe just a tick over 50% completion rate, but still that was a far cry from what you might guess when you see that 35 to zero final score. Yeah. It's like being a little yeah. bit pregnant. You're either under or over 50%. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, I know there's a few other games uh, that are standing out. Did you want to uh, just touch briefly on what you're looking for in a few of these as we look once again at the full week three slate? Uh, you know, there's only a handful of games that uh, really interest me. Uh, the, uh, uh, the New Orleans-New England game is going to be interesting because it's going to be really hard to pass on New England uh, when they fall below three, which they're kind of inching back down to, uh, or each a, or a cheap three possibly. Uh, the Kansas City game looks interesting. Uh, and uh, uh, even the Atlanta Giants game, to, if you get some line movement on that game, might be worth uh, playing. Uh, and, and I can't figure out why the Cleveland line is uh, – down to seven. I know, I think they put Landry on the DL today, if I'm not mistaken, which is one problem, but uh, they may get, uh, uh, what's his name back? The other receiver. Yeah, oh, and, uh, but uh, I, I'm just monitoring, uh, you know, the Green Bay Rams game, that uh, that's going to be very interesting, or the Green Bay San Francisco game, and then obviously the Tampa Bay Rams game. So I'm just, I want to see where the lines move. I want to see what the, what the pulse is uh, on it all. I, I see no reason to jump in early because I don't see a lot of movement on any of those games coming. Yeah, and to your point, Chris, one of the games that I'm also keeping an eye on would be the Seahawks at the Vikings. Seattle currently laying two at BetUS. And that Seahawks defense was on the field for about 43 minutes, more than 80 snaps. So they could have quite a bit of fatigue as they fly uh, a good chunk of the way across the country. And the Vikings on the other side, I think that was a pretty solid cover I had for them in Arizona this past week. They did get lucky with a pick six, but they got pretty unlucky if you consider it the missed PAT plus the missed chip shot of a game-winning field goal, especially when we contrast that with Matt Prater still kicking 62-yard field goals like he's back in Denver saving the day for Tim Tebow. So I will be monitoring the Vikings' defensive injury news because as choppy as that unit has looked through the first couple weeks, if they can get some guys back with that Seahawks fatigue, the Vikings' defense you know, has a has a chance perhaps to be the better unit on the field. So that that line, I'm just going to keep a close eye on. Again, at minus two right now, a bit of no man's land. 
So no need to force the issue, but plenty to keep an eye on over the next few days as we inch our way toward the Friday full weekend breakdown. And Chris, as we make our way there, you talked about a few games that you'll be watching more from maybe a handicapping perspective. But when it comes to line movement projection, I know you broke things down really well last week. Do you have any sort of read on any other games we haven't discussed yet that might move between now and Friday? Sure, but I do want to touch base quickly. Jacksonville's defense has been on the field 70 minutes, and now they've got to face Kyler Murray in the hot sun early in the season before they're fully conditioned. So that might be interesting. But just running through the the lines quickly, last week there was a fair amount of movement, and I think I was able to guess it pretty accurately. This week I see... Uh, the Carolina line should stay around there. I think you go, you're going to get some Houston support, even with Mills playing. So seven, seven and a half uh, seems kind of stable. Same with Arizona. I don't think that that line should move very much. Tennessee might tick up to six, but I, I see that that's probably going to be the ceiling before uh, the other side gets played on that. Uh, Baltimore should be at nine for teaser protection, but it's been going down lately. So uh have to keep an eye on that game. Buffalo, the same thing. You've got the teaser protection at BetUS and at other shops, but I think Washington's going to get some play. Washington's defense is still respected, uh, so that line is going to go down. It's just, the Buffalo line will not go up any higher than it is. New England is is teetering toward a two and a half. Kansas City is a solid six and a half. I don't see it going back up to seven. Uh, the Giants might hit two and a half, but looks pretty stable. Chicago should be, uh, uh, Cleveland should be seven and bounce back up uh, at some point. I, I just can't see it going below the seven. Pittsburgh, they just announced more problems. Ben's got hurt ribs. Uh, that's driving this line way down to three and a half right now in some place, in most places. And they could even see a flat three if uh, things don't improve and if Watt isn't going to play. So uh, be careful on that game. Las Vegas, I think, fours the ceiling on that that you're ever going to see. And that could go all the way down to a three, possibly. Denver, 11 was the ceiling, probably go down. Uh, uh, Seattle, I'm surprised. I think it'll peak at two and a half and come back down uh, to pick or one. but it could it could stay two two and a half. And San Francisco, I, I think uh, with all those injuries and such, and Green Bay doing okay last week, even with that porous defense, uh, I think that's going to be a three three and a half. That's not going to go back up to four. It has no chance of going to four. And and Monday night Dallas four. I, I don't know how you can budge that either way at this point. Yeah, well, Scott, one thing Chris touched on uh, a few times that I heard injuries impacting the lines, and you're kind of our specialist when it comes to that. So what are some of the injuries from week two that you see having an impact on the week three line movement that might be in store? Well, we've got some major quarterbacks. One, we hit on, you know, Tua. Uh, it looks like maybe he'll be able to go possibly and just pay through the pain. That's It's, it's simply a pain uh, deal with him, I think. Uh, Carson Wentz, obviously, looking at him, uh, you know, he may not be able to go. Uh, Andy Dalton is out, obviously. I think that's an upgrade, actually, to Justin Fields, so uh, I don't think there's anything hurting there. We know Tyrod Taylor's out, so we got Davis Mills in. Uh, Chris just talked about Ben, got to monitor that pectoral injury as well. Uh, A couple other ones, uh, Chris hit on Jarvis Landry's out, but I think they'll get Beckham back at receiver for Cleveland. Uh, All the San Francisco running backs are just all banged up. That's a complete wild card there. 
Uh, with Tennessee, uh, left, tacker, left tackle Taylor Lewin and uh, left guard Roger uh, Saffold, they both missed last week. Well, Saffold was in and out, uh, but Lewin uh, was, did not play in the game. That's a pretty big uh, move there if both those can't go on the left side of Tennessee's offensive line. Pittsburgh's all banged up. That last play of the game, wide receiver Deontay Johnson got hurt. I have not seen anything on him, so that bears watching. Of course, you mentioned J.J. Watt, Devin Bush, uh, Joe Hayden. They lost Tyson. Uh, Tyson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the last name incorrectly. Aluau, uh, however you pronounce his last name. He is now gone. He was on their defensive line. Pretty decent player. Um, and then uh, on Philly, they probably, by my estimates, maybe lost their best defensive lineman. And uh, 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 Brandon Graham, and they're probably their best offensive lineman in Brandon Brooks, left guard and defensive end. So uh, both those guys appear to be gone, and that's a pretty significant loss uh, for that team as well. Yeah, laundry list this week. I feel like week two was just a lot of carnage last year as well. So I don't know if there's anything there, but hopefully uh, we we don't have quite as many injuries to get to on a lot of our future shows but with all these that could potentially be big factors I, I think everything you noted there well worth keeping in mind and before we get to the Thursday night preview we do have one question that we can address from the chat from our live YouTube audience and it's asking if we see uh, any possibility that the Bucks Rams game moves away from the Bucks I know some places open with the Rams as a favorite and that has largely flipped to Tampa Bay now I think Tampa Bay is a short favorite for good in this one. But if you guys have any thoughts, then I, I would love to get that perspective. I think they're a short favorite uh, unless the public just overwhelmingly overrides uh, the money that's going to come in between now and Saturday. Uh, uh, because that's when the, the, the bigger money and the public money starts to hit. Uh, every, everywhere that I've heard says Tampa Bay should be favored. Uh, so I think that they'll bounce up. The, the, the books have a difficult situation here with teaser protection. So uh, if they take that line to one and a half, then they're going to be eating a lot of Rams plus seven and a half everywhere. So uh, something uh, that they don't want a lot of. Yeah, yeah we'll, and, we'll have. Go ahead, Scott. Oh, sorry, Matt. I was just going to say I, I agree. And, you know, Tampa's look so good. Um, you know, as Chris said, I mean, unless the public comes in and bets it the other way, but as well as Tampa's looked, um, I, I, I just not sure that's going to happen uh, as well. Yeah, that was kind of my takeaway. It's hard to see as much as the Rams can be a public team. I feel like Tampa Bay is one of the ultimate public teams right now. So as we see more money hit the marketplace and from what I've heard from sharper people who I respect, uh, all signs point to Tampa Bay remaining a short favorite in that one. So well, Tampa uh, thanks Bay for Tampa Bay's had this on their on their calendar because the Rams went into Tampa last year and mm -hmm. and, and uh, beat them by a field goal. So I think Tampa Bay wants to exact a little revenge, you would think. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the marquee games coming up on Sunday afternoon. So thanks for the question. And let's get to what might not be considered a marquee game in the eyes of many betters, but it is a primetime game. Let's talk the Panthers traveling to Houston for the Thursday night game, currently BetUS has the Panthers favored by seven and a half, total at 43 and a half. Chris, what were your initial thoughts on this one and how has that changed over the past couple of days? Well, you know, it's funny because I thought I saw the seven and a half and I said, boy, you know, that Houston looks great. Uh, even with Mills at quarterback, the uh, it just seems like just too many points. And, and also all we've seen is Carolina at home so far. Let's, what's Carolina going to do on the road? Houston has a lot of veterans. 
and they have a full week of practice with Mills to prepare, or at least uh, for you know uh, as much of the week as Carolina has to prepare. So uh, these Thursday games are rough on road teams on Thursday nights. So that was my initial reaction. But then also when I started to look at teasers, I'm like, oh, but Carolina might be a good teaser. So kind of funny. I think it's going to be, you know, sort of a close game there. But over, over, my number one opinion on this is Carolina on the road and backup quarterback for Mills are going to want to dumb down the offense. Uh, I like the under in this game, so uh, that that's the direction that I'm going to go because I don't want to have a teaser on the with a road team, and uh, I don't really need to get behind Houston. Yeah, well, Scott, you've been our total specialist more or less so far. So, what do you make of Chris's play there, and what do you think of this one? Uh, I made the total rate right around 43, so uh, it's a no play for me because I thought it was you know fairly accurate. What, what's interesting for me is the look-ahead line prior to Sunday's games was Carolina by three and a half. We've now jumped to seven and a half points. It's a four-point move. Is Tyrod Taylor worth four points? I don't think so. I, you know, I, I, I think it's maybe a point and a half or so. Maybe a little bit more because he was playing you know, better than we expected. But even if you said it's two points, that only gets you to five and a half. Is it because Carolina dominated uh, New Orleans at home? It's obviously it's built into the line there a little bit, but uh, there's a lot all sorts of question marks around that victory as well. You know, the Carolina defensive line does seem like it's bringing some pressure this year uh, with some of the the pieces they've got on that line. That could create a little bit of problems for a Davis Mills being so inexperienced. But seven and a half. I mean, even if I try to make some adjustments here, uh, you know, I make this line maybe five. I think it's a little rich. Do I want Davis Mills or not? I'm not so sure about that, but I think the line's a little bit high to be playing Carolina, certainly, you know, just straight up against the spread. So a uh, little value in Houston. I don't know if I'm getting involved, but I would lean Houston's way if I did anything. Yeah, well, I hear both of you guys, and I'm going to get in on a play here that I know there will be some thoughts on, and I'm going to go ahead and tease the Panthers down through the seven and the three to minus one and a half. Again, I think that's worth doing if you're laying no more than minus 120. And I know that teasing road favorites down isn't the optimal way to approach teasers. So this isn't my biggest bet of the week necessarily, but I also don't think we need to put any absolute rules on how to play teasers. This looks like a good number to get down on with the Panthers. When it comes to the Texan side of things, I've been impressed with how they've just shown up ready to play these first two weeks. But that Tyrod Taylor hamstring injury does have me wondering just how much is left with this team that was already widely regarded as the worst in the league just a couple weeks ago. And when it comes to the Panthers, I've been encouraged on both sides of the ball, not just with Sam Darnold showing some signs of life moving on from Adam Gase to the Panthers coaching staff where he's got Matt Rule and Joe Grady there, but also with uh, Christian McCaffrey back in the fold. I mean, he's been getting fed 59 touches through two weeks. Now heading into a short week, I do wonder if they're going to need some load management for McCaffrey down the road. But in the short term, it looks like they're content to keep on feeding him. And defensively, uh, we talked about the same struggles this past week. And I think, Scott, to your point, the Panthers defensive line and just overall that unit does deserve at least some credit for keeping the Saints locked down so well. We talked about it in our NFC South preview, that Panthers defense, a lot of young players after they went all defense in the 2020 draft. We could be in the middle of a year two leap that some of these guys are taking. And yes, of course, we've got to acknowledge it's been an easy schedule so far for the Panthers, but I still think they've handled it as well as anybody could have asked of them. 
And they're not exactly in line for a big step up here, again, with a rookie quarterback, perhaps with the least pedigree of any rookie quarterback starting in the league right now, and a rookie head coach on a short week to boot. So in the second leg for the teaser, you can see it on the screen here. I'm going to take the Ravens minus two. That's also a bit of a numbers grab for me, taking the far superior team to do a little more than win outright. And we'll touch more on the Ravens-Lions game on Friday's show, ultimately for the purposes of this teaser handicap. Short week for Detroit, major coaching mismatch, and the Ravens possibly bringing that bully mentality. So overall here, again, I know that road favorites aren't optimal necessarily, but I feel like I'm leaving value on the table if I'm not playing this one. And for comparison's sake, if we look at a money line parlay with these two teams right now, the Panthers and the Ravens, you're probably going to have to pay in the ballpark of minus 170. So with a teaser, you can save about 50 cents. And to me, that's enough to flip this from a long-term losing proposition to a long-term winning proposition with the numbers involved. And, and Chris, I know you're going to have some thoughts on this, so I'll, I'll set, set it over to you right now. Well, I just, I'm apprehensive about using road teams uh, uh, in teasers in general. It's the weakest link of teasing teams through the three and the seven. Uh, over recent years, though, uh, as Scott was talking off here before the show started, uh, there has been a little bit better success with those. So, uh, as you said, Matt, there's there's not an absolute rule on that. You just have to pick your, your spots carefully. For me, the, the last thing I want to do is put two road teams uh, on the same teaser. So uh, it's, you know, that's, that's just what my concern would be on it. And I, I, you know, thinking about it and digesting this Houston side again, it, you know, this could be potentially a really flat spot for Carolina in the short week off of, you know, what they probably consider as a big win with the Saints. So they just may not be up, uh, you know, as up for this game as uh, you might think. So I, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. So uh, I, I may very well come in with a Houston wager at some point. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, I hear you there. And the good thing is if you take the Houston Texans getting seven and a half and I've got the Panthers down to minus one and a half, there's plenty of room for both of us to win. And, and yeah, I don't mind a little bit of healthy tension here with how we're looking at this Thursday night game. And I, I would just say that last week we thought the Raiders were in for the ultimate flat spot, and that certainly didn't come into play. So it's you could be right. The Panthers might come in overlooking the Texans a bit. But with a short week, you know, an extended bye sort of after this and, and a primetime spotlight on them, I would expect them to show up and put forth an honest effort. So the beauty of this, we can both look at it different ways. And, and perhaps between the under, the Panthers down to minus one and a half, if you get involved on the Texans plus seven and a half, we're not necessarily going head to head with each other on any of those plays. No, and but it's, I just see that there's better, in my opinion, a better option with maybe Arizona uh, or even Cleveland, although there's, there's more to look into that game. And, you know, even the Rams, you're probably going to get a seven and a half on that game. Uh, and, and even looking at Minnesota, uh, you know, the home team getting more than a touchdown uh, is, is are places that I would look before I would be looking at Carolina, just because I I could see Carolina get, getting broken off here, too, potentially. Yeah, well, one more question I'll come back to you with as we wrap up the Thursday night breakdown would be, uh, you touched on both the Vikings and the Rams as possible alternatives. Obviously, those are home underdogs, so that could play better against the angle you want to avoid of road favorites. But at the same time, when we're looking to minimize variance in a teaser, those games have really high totals, well into the 50s. So how do you look at you know really high totals versus a road favorite and, and the levels of variance involved in, in each of those factors? 
No, that, you know, that's an excellent point. Uh, when you're doing the teasers, you, you definitely are going to get more value with lowered point totals. Like uh, the Cleveland Chicago has a, has a relatively low total. And uh, probably this, the Seattle, Minnesota is, is, is not as good as it looks because it has that 55, 56 total on it. So uh, you, you bring up a good point on what you're supposed to look for, uh, but it, uh, it, it devalues it just a little bit, the higher the total. Yeah, well, I guess I'm breaking run one rule going with road favorites and abiding by another and staying away from those high totals. So we'll have to see how it works out. And uh, the beauty of this, we'll know how Carolina and Houston went down when we get back for our Friday show. So on that note, I think we can go ahead and tie a bow around this one. Thanks to everybody for tuning into the BetUS NFL show. For those of us, for those of you joining us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to this channel. If you have any thoughts or questions, let us know in the comments of this video. And if you're listening to this in podcast form, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Chris, again, at Las Vegas Chris. Scott, at Sixth Sense NFL. And you can find me at MLandis18. Last but not least, don't forget to use that promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% sign-up bonus. And that'll do it, everybody. We're back with you Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, to break down the full weekend board for week three. So we'll see you then right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.